it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Paez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Trubisky's going to run it. And he is going to get a first down. Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are on till 9 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls. I have a big Bears question for you in 15 minutes. So you can call us at 312-332-3776. Or you can get at us on Twitter. We will respond throughout the show. Happy first football Friday of the year, Abdallah. Mm-hmm. We will talk with Nick Saban. The head coach for Alabama coming up in 25 minutes. That's right. Right here on ESPN 1000. Lots to do tonight. And there's a lot going on, Chris. You've got the Bears, as you mentioned. They are their first training camp practice is in the books. It was a light practice as they have to be back tomorrow morning. And a huge nine-game stretch for the Cubs starts as they are in Milwaukee taking on the Brewers. It's Kyle Hendricks against Gio Gonzalez. So lots to do tonight. We'll talk Bears in 15 minutes, but we start things tonight with the Chicago Cubs. They're at the Brewers tonight. We will get updates throughout the night from Jesse Rogers, but first we talk with Jesse Rogers right now as we preview the Cubs and the Brewers. Jesse Rogers, ESPN Cubs reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. And Jesse, as we bring you into the conversation, is this to date for the Chicago Cubs the biggest series and the biggest stretch of games for the Cubs this season? Sure. I mean, in Chris Bryant's words and some of the other players' words, it is, and the schedule tells us it is tied for first with Milwaukee two games behind. I was talking to Craig Council a few minutes ago, Brewers manager, and you know he had an uneasy feeling about things because uh, he doesn't like it this tight. But I think the rest of us love a pennant race like this. Um, the one trade deadline is going to be very interesting as that approaches. Uh, Council was talking to me about that as well and you know just want to make sure they're redundant in different areas. Theo Epstein was talking about that also. So yeah, the stretch of games on, uh, with the trade deadline as is uh, next Wednesday, I think all of it makes this next 10 days very, very interesting and important for the Cubs. Whose lineup is this tonight? Is this Madden's lineup? Is this Ivy's lineup? <laughs> what, what's going on here? Well, they're not very good against left-handed pitching, which is something that uh, surprises everybody here. I and mean, It's one thing they could count on over the last few years. Al Moore raked against uh, lefties. Uh, some of their you know, uh, quasi-platoon guys all were good against left-handed pitching, so... That's not the case this year. Joe's trying to switch it up. He's putting two on-base guys at the top just to maybe work the pitcher over a little bit um, with Contreras leading off, Bryant second, and then bring in the Thunder after that. Uh, maybe get Gio Gonzalez's pitch count up. You know, Just try something different. Um, as uh, Schwarber had been batting leadoff against lefties, but now with Happ in the lineup, they've got a lot of righties here tonight. Uh, interesting, Garcia sitting, though Happ and Elmore and Bodie are all playing 
Uh, but the, the whole idea is to work over the pitcher a little bit, um, putting those two righties at the top. What did Brian have to say about batting second? Not much, not much. He knows to be back batting third um, when there's a righty in there. So it's, if this is the lineup against lefties, I mean, it's not going to happen very often. They don't face many lefties. I mean, he didn't care. I, I know that he wants to bat third, but look, it, you know, you're a major league player. Just second or third shouldn't be that big of a difference. But there's a comfort factor involved, and he was comfortable at three. And again, if he was batting two uh, against everyone, I think maybe it'd be a bigger storyline. But if it's just against lefties, that's going to be once a week at most. Jesse Rogers on the phone with Chris Buck and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jesse, Theo Epstein spoke before the game. What did he say about uh, Ben Zobris? When can the Cubs expect him back? Yeah, he will start a rehab assignment as soon as next weekend. Uh, they had final discussions over the last couple of days about this. Zobris wants to come back. He thinks mentally he'll be ready. He thinks physically he can do it. So I don't know if that's AAA or AA or some combination, but expect a rehab assignment. He'll still be on the restricted list throughout the assignment. Just like if you're in the injured list, you go down for a rehab assignment. Just like when Addison Russell was on the restricted list, you can go down and play minor league ball. He has to be off the restricted list by August 31st to be eligible for the postseason. So that's kind of important. But I would expect he'll be down in the minors starting next weekend all the way through August 31st and then get the call up September 1st as rosters expand. That would be my expectation. What he can bring to the table is anyone's guess, but as Theo said, I mean, we all know how Ben Zobrist is. If he can do it, he will do it. If he can't do it, he will say that he can't do it, and he'll maybe just be a teammate in the dugout, or maybe he'll just call it quits altogether. But he's going to give it a shot. He has been working out. He has been doing baseball activities. Um, so that's important to know. It's not just starting from scratch. But he will head out to the minors next weekend. Does that news change the Cubs' approach here as the deadline comes up next week? Absolutely not. And same thing with Hap's recall. They are not going to go off of five games of Ian Hap uh, and make a decision you know, for the trade deadline. Same thing with Zobris. They have no idea what he's going to bring to the table. So they are, they're going to just move along as they would. Now, if Hap looks great, sure, it affects the trade. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a... It's not a black or white situation. Everything affects every decision as we head towards Wednesday. Um, so he's got a few games here to show what he has, and certainly they take that into consideration, and they will take into consideration that Zobrist is returning. But it, it, it can't um, move the needle that much, either Ian Happ's performance here or the fact that Zobrist is coming back. That would be that, that would be a mistake on, on Theo's part, and he knows it, and he said as much just a few minutes ago. Jesse Rogers on the phone with Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, previewing the Brewers and the Cubs tonight up at Miller Park. Kyle Hendricks is on the mound for the Cubs tonight. Jesse, if you had to grade out Kyle Hendricks' performance to this point in the season, what would you give him? Oh, he's definitely a solid B. I mean, maybe even higher than that, but, it, but the injury set him back, there's no doubt. So, I mean, without the injury, it's an A. With the injury... Um, maybe a B. So he's, I mean, he's there. He's right there. He's playing well. He's pitching well, but uh, he needs to get back to that level that we all expect. He doesn't have to, but it'd be nice, I think, for the Cubs to sort of be be almost a quasi ace. He has it in him. We know that. So, I mean, he, his, I have no problem with the season he's had, um, especially that run in May, and maybe that contributed to him being on the DL. He was so good, or IL. He was so good. He pitched a lot. He pitched a lot of innings earlier in the season than these guys are kind of normal used to and that affected his shoulders so um he's he's b a material there's no doubt about it he's been good and joe madden gave a cole hamels update as well didn't he 
Yeah, he's going to pitch for AAA Iowa on Sunday. I think that'll be his last rehab start. He, he threw a bullpen yesterday. Everything was fine. But he was only 35 pitches in his first rehab start, so maybe not enough to feel great about starting at the major league level. So one more start Sunday. That puts him in line for um, a, a game against these Brewers next weekend at Wrigley Field. So that, that at least to get him back for one game in this stretch will be important. And then to get the, uh, the Cole Hamels that, that they had before he went down would be really important for the final two months of the season. And Jesse, to call back to your original point on the column that you wrote today on ESPN.com, you know, the road home splits for the Cubs are ridiculous. They're almost 20 games over at home, but they're terrible on the road. And Joe Mann talked to you about it, and I wanted to know what you thought about this. Like, what is specifically the reason? Can you point to something to why they struggle so much on the road this season? Well, in my opinion, I think the lack of depth on this team manifests itself more on the road. And I think that, you know, can make sense. Like, I don't think I would make that statement and say that it would manifest itself more at home. That wouldn't make as much sense. You're already sort of behind the eight ball on the road, obviously, hostile environments, traveling, whatever. It's already difficult to win on the road. Now you're not as deep. You're one arm short in the bullpen. You're one bat short. I just think it's manifested itself more. Think about this. Um, they're basically a 500 team uh, in one-run games, but on the road, they're 5-10. and 10. So they're 5-under on the road in one-run games. Just think if they were 8-7 uh, and seven or 7. It was just a couple, three more wins on the road in one-run games. The, the record would look a lot different. So that that's kind of what I'm thinking. 5-10 and 10 in one-run games, um, a bunch of tough, heartbreaking uh, sort of losses, that one extra pitch, that one extra at-bat by a good pinch hitter could make the difference on the road. That That's the way I look at it. That's why I feel like they've come up short. Uh, now, it shouldn't be this bad. I don't think they should be 10 under. But if they were a 500 team on the road, that would make sense to me. I don't think they're good enough to be 5 or 10 over on the road, but they shouldn't be this bad. I think if you look at their last, what is it, like 71 games or something, they're only one over 500. They're 36 and 35, I believe, is what their record is. If you had to guess, how would you say the next nine games against the division pan out? Well, the, the three at Wrigley Field, I think we can we can predict a, a series <laughs> win. I, although they play Thursday night at St. Louis and then have a day game 120. Thank you very much, Tom Tunney and everyone else. A 120 game Friday against the Brewers. That's Shots. not going to be fun. Um, easier to predict that than these next six, man. I, I, St. Louis is playing really well right now. They might come back down to earth. I don't know. I'll say the next six, they go three and three. I'm trying to be optimistic. And then they win that series at home two out of three. So, um, I, what is it, five and four. I'll say five and four over the next night. If you could pick four and a half and four and a half, would you have selected that? Yes, yes, <laughs> I would have. I would have, and I'm being optimistic. When they haven't had a winning trip in forever, right? So yeah. I'm being optimistic here and saying that they might split the next six on the road. Uh, but at some point, they have to play better. So I looked it up. Three division winners since 1969 played 10 games under 500 or worse on the road and still won their division. So it is possible, but it's pretty rare to be 10 under and still win your division. I would think from here on out, they might have a winning record on the road because it doesn't make sense to continue to lose like this away from home. Okay, last one. And uh, yeah. I, I, here's the thing, Jess. I think a lot of people have talked about the Brewers as a team to be worried about in the division. To you, is it the Brewers that are more dangerous or the St. Louis Cardinals that keep hanging around and they're that team that's actually tied with them for first? Yeah, for two years I've been asked this question. I always answer Milwaukee, and I feel like I've been right. And uh, I answered Milwaukee, you know, recently on a show, and 
I think I'm, I might be wrong. <laughs> you know, at this point, their pitching problems go deep. Uh, Woodruff on the IL, Shasin not the same pitcher as he was, and on the IL, and they don't make bold big moves at the deadline. Maybe they will this year, but not under this GM. They haven't made a ton of them. Um, I, 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 if I, I'm going to have to switch gears, I'm going to have to say, say, say St. Louis reluctantly. Um, I was wrong. I, I might be wrong about Milwaukee this year, so. I don't want to go down with the ship. I'll, I'll go with the hot team and say St. Louis, though. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if Milwaukee found a second win. It's a really good question. I think it's a tough one to answer for me because I've always been a Milwaukee guy and an anti-St. Louis guy. But it doesn't feel right up here right now. Pitching is so important, and you can't just have Josh Hader and nobody else, and that's what this team kind of feels like right now. So I guess i got to switch gears, but I, I, I'll do it reluctantly. Thank you, Jesse. We'll bother you throughout the night for live in-game updates. For, for you guys, anything. Oh, thanks, Adam. See ya. Wow. There's Jesse Rogers here on ESPN 1000. I mean, he is ESPN on. Cubs reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at ESPN Shy Cubs. He'll give us updates at 7.30 and 8.30 tonight as the Cubs and the Brewers play up at Miller Park. Abdallah, the one thing to kind of keep in mind, remember with the St. Louis Cardinals, no matter what happens each and every season, the St. Louis Cardinals, they remind me of Jason from Friday the 13th. They always hang around. They're always there in the end. Stop turning around. Stop looking to see where he is. Well, I just mean, if, keep running. If you're the just Cubs, keep running. run out the front just door. keep running. Don't run upstairs. Keep, where are you going to go? If he's chasing you, don't run upstairs. You got, the double door. you got the double door where you can lock. You can kind of jam the two doors together like and scream. No. And once again, another summer here in the city of Chicago. Mm. And the Chicago Cubs are being chased by the St. Louis Cardinals. As Jesse says, he's now switching and thinking they're the more dangerous team in this division. Abdal, let's switch the football here on a football Friday on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. Uh, today, the first practice for the Chicago Bears down in Bourbon A. It's good to have football back. Yes, it is time. Our long national nightmare is finally over. We can talk about football. Not that we weren't talking about football for the last like three months. Listen, it's all we do is talk football. Now we, now we get into the real previews, Chris. Before we were just previewing nothing. Now we're previewing the season. Six right. weeks until the opener. Wait, wait to sell to the, the listener excitement. about. We, we were previewing nothing. No, it's sir, in the we past. Were, we it's were in previewing the past. I don't football. care. It's in the past. That's what we were doing. Uh, here's uh, Matt Nagy. You spoke today after practice. What's the biggest difference going into his second camp as Bears head coach? Right now, you know, I know Chuck's staff is new and the defensive guys are new, but overall, um, our entire organization understands the rules that we have, the standards and expectations when we get out here. We kind of built that foundation last year. We created the culture. And now, for, for me personally, I can kind of step back. And just like we, I've used the analogy with Mitch, how he's at level 202 and being able to see the defense, now for me, I'm not so worried necessarily on – on um, so much of, for instance, maybe a, a specific technique of a wide receiver because I know that Mike Furrier, our wide receiver coach, is all over that position. And now I've, we've had a year to be able to teach him how we do things so I can step back and, and kind of get out of the trees. And so I've felt that. And even, even today in the 10-10-10, it just, it, it's, uh, it just seems things seem to be going a lot better. Matt Nagy at practice today also talked about how the kickers are handling the pressure. I think they are. You know, they've... 
it's not an easy it's a it's like the quarterback position there's only one and then obviously with the microscope is on them and us because of what happened last year they get it uh, we've had some great conversations amongst all of us uh, in the end we all have to trust one another we understand that it is about production and, and ultimately that's what it's going to be here this preseason is producing and so whatever chance that is in practice in the preseason what are you doing and how are, are you making them or are you missing them and then like Ryan has said in the past uh, we're going to always do everything we can to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're giving our team every opportunity to have the best kicker for the Chicago Bears for 2019. We'll hear more from Matt Nagy as the night goes on here on ESPN 1000. Chris Black and Am Abdallah in for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood. Did you see this today on ESPN.com? Super Bowl timeline tears when all 32 NFL teams will contend for a title. Mm-hmm. Did you see this today? I did, I did. I saw it. I read it. They broke it down in a, into a couple different categories, and the top category is called clear-cut contenders right now. Here are the teams at ESPN.com and the staff put together as the clear-cut contenders this season heading into 2019 in the National Football League. The teams are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Rams, the New England Patriots, and the New Orleans Saints. So those are the four teams at the top that they claim as the clear-cut contenders right now in the National Football League. The next category is on the cusp of contending, and that's where you find the Chicago Bears, the Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I, I kind of agree with the placement. Obviously, Jeff Dickerson, our Bears reporter, wrote the little blurb, and he said the Bears were a reliable kicker away from potentially reaching a Super Bowl last season. Chicago's kicker situation is still unsettled, but otherwise the Bears have one of the league's best rosters led by Pro Bowlers Khalil Mack, Tariq Cohen, and Eddie Jackson. Obviously, he didn't mention, but everybody knows, the Bears are only as good as and can go as far as Mitchell Trubisky can take them. And that's why I feel like the national media... The, the people that are paid a lot of money to go through these and, and compile these lists and whatnot, a lot of people don't have the Bears there just yet because people want to see the next step from Mitchell Trubisky. When you have to have when you have to be in a shootout against the Saints, when you have to be in a shootout against the Chiefs, if you get to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs or something like that, will he be able to perform and lead the team down the field? Now he did it in the second half of the playoff game against the Eagles, but where was it in the first half? And where was it that he wasn't making good decisions? During the season, you know, there were a lot of balls that could have been intercepted. He made a lot of good plays, don't get me wrong. But there were a lot of plays that could have gone the other way that simply didn't. And people, including myself, want to see him take that next step before I put them in the Super Bowl contender team. Do I think they can reach a Super Bowl? Of course I think they can reach a Super Bowl. They have the number one defense in the league until they're not the number one defense in the league anymore. Are they going to have all those turnovers? Probably not. But ultimately, they are a team that has a Super Bowl caliber roster. But I think the only thing that's holding them back, and it remains to be seen, is how good Mitchell Trubisky can be this season. So on ESPN.com, Super Bowl timeline tiers where all 32 NFL teams can contend for a title. And the group of clear-cut contenders and on the cusp, that gives you eight teams. The Bears are one of eight from this list on ESPN.com. Today, also on the Action Network, they have their NFL power rankings up there where their experts put together their list. Here's the list that they have. The Chiefs, the Rams, the Colts, Patriots, Saints, Chargers, Browns, Eagles, Bears. They have the Bears as the ninth best team in the National Football League when you look at power rankings heading into this season. And Abdallah, that's where I ask you this question. As we head into 2019 and this season for the Chicago Bears, how many teams do you think are better than the Bears right now? Think about it. You can join the conversation at 312-332-3776. You can also tweet me at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. 
Entering the 2019 season, how many teams do you think are better than the Bears right now? You know, if I had to take all this information that we're compiling here and, and make my own list, mm-hmm. the four teams that I would place ahead of the Chicago Bears. Just four, huh? Yeah. I would go Kansas City, New England, Los Angeles, uh, the Chargers, that is. Not the Rams. Yeah. The Chargers. And the Philadelphia Eagles. I think those four teams from top to bottom rosters are better than the Bears. But I place the Bears at five, and I think there are teams that are right in that same category with the Bears, the Saints, the Colts, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Packers, maybe the Vikings, that are in that next group that the Bears kind of divide the top Mm -hmm. echelon and then the teams that could maybe make a jump and make a run as a contender this season. I think the Bears are sitting at five right now. So who's your name? name? The Chiefs, the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Eagles. Chiefs, Pats, Chargers, Eagles. Okay. Those are those are the four teams that I think as we head into the season are are absolutely better than what we have here in Chicago. But it's not saying the Bears can't win a title. See, I think, I think it's just that's what we're looking at heading into the season. I think you and I are looking at it a little bit differently. And on, on, uh, it, you can look at it multiple ways. I'm looking at it as if these two teams played in a game. And it came down to who has the ball last. Well, yeah, okay. Will but the it, Bears but be able, would the Bears be able to? But think about if it, If you okay? keep doing that, you're just always going to default back to the answer of our quarterback probably is not as good as the other team's quarterback for these have, other top but teams. But I only have a few more teams than you do. It's not. I'm not saying that the Bears are like 20, okay? So I've got the Patriots, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Chargers, and the Colts. So it's the Saints and the Colts. You yes. think the Saints and the Colts are ahead of the Bears at this point in the game? I think the Saints and the Colts are a, a little bit more ahead based on their quarterback play. I think their defense, if the, the they have very good defenses, okay? The Saints upgraded on defense. The Colts had a good defense last year. They upgraded as well. They spent seven draft picks on defense. They're going to have a good defense. It's going to be younger, but it's going to still be good. So my point is that they, if it comes down to a playoff game, I think that the Bears are sl- a little bit better. But if it comes down to quarterback play, I have to give the edge to Drew Brees and Andrew Luck. Because if it comes down to, like it did with the Eagles game, who's got the ball last, maybe you're trying to set up a field goal. Obviously, the Bears lost out to the Eagles because of the field goal. But if it comes down to Andrew Luck or Drew Brees or Mitchell Trubisky, who are you taking? You're obviously taking Drew Brees or Andrew Luck. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think that's a debate. So I understand your point. If you tweet us at Chris Pluck and at Adam A. Abdallah, Bob on Twitter says, I think the only for sures are the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Saints. There's a group of probably six to seven who are on the same tier as the Bears. Mm-hmm. Ed chimes in. I'll be listening tonight from Vegas. What up in Vegas? Uh, he has the Patriots, the Saints, the Bears, and the Chiefs tied at three, and then the Chargers five. He thinks the Rams take a step back this season. And then our friend Nick, who follows us on Twitter as well, he says no teams because if you doubt Trubisky, the cap hive will go after you and things will not end well for you. That's take true. That. I'm probably I'm, I'm, you know, I'm waiting for the wrath of the cap hive to come after me right now. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm it's Chris Black. End well for me. We talk with Nick Saban, the head coach at Alabama. Well, next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
Welcome back to ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We get a chance now to talk with the head coach at Alabama, the Crimson Tide, Nick Saban, joining Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. And coach, at SEC Media Days, you talked about Alabama getting back to a standard of Alabama football and excellence. How has your team responded to that message this offseason? Well, I've, I've been very pleased with the way the players have responded so far. And, you know, you never know until you go out there and play uh, and you see how they practice and, you know, sort of prepare, you know, each week. Uh, I think that everybody starts out the season sort of wanting to do the right thing. But, you know, how many people are willing to have the passion and make the sacrifices that they need to make to sustain the season because it's very difficult it's a lot of hard work and our players have usually been pretty good at that and you know last year's team won 14 games so it wasn't like terrible but I just didn't think we finished like we wanted to we played against a great team in Clemson at the end and you know they made a lot of plays and we didn't but I think we learned a lot of lessons from that game and it certainly carried over you know into our preparation for this season. Is the message any different from last season or do you just stress finishing to the guys? Well, I, I think we have a lot to prove, you know, I really do. And I think uh, that in and of itself, you know, makes the message a little bit different. I think it's, you know, the way I sort of describe it is when you're trying to prove something, it's like climbing the mountain. You know, you're trying to prove that you can climb the mountain. Well, when you win the national championship like we did year before last, you know, you're sort of on the top of the mountain. Right? So that takes a totally different mindset right, to keep climbing. You know, once you've arrived and, uh, you know, the opportunity for guys to lose their humility, be complacent about what they're doing, uh, gets, you know, sort of accentuated. And as a coach, it's my responsibility and my job not to let that happen so that guys understand that the road to success is always under construction and you got to continue to do these things at a high level. And regardless of how easy it might have seemed to be, you know, early in the season or whatever, you know, we have to continue to prepare so that we can continue to improve because we're going to play better teams down the road, and then you're going to get exposed, and that certainly happened to us last year. Alabama head coach Nick Saban joining Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Coach, your offense was outstanding last season, 46 points per game. Incredible, really, setting records across college football. But how do you see this group on offense improving this season? Well, I, I think that, you know, we certainly have some good players coming back, you know, the receiving core to it, quarterback. Uh, we've got some very capable runners. Um, got to do a little rebuilding in the offensive line. Lost a couple of really good tight ends. So, you know, there's always things in, uh, that you are concerned about in terms of how are people going to accept these new roles? How is that going to affect the chemistry? Um, but, uh, and we have, you know, a new offensive coordinator, um, but systematically we're not changing a lot. Um, and I think it just comes down to fundamental execution if we're going to continue to improve. And uh, I think the thing that I've tried to emphasize is when we played the really good defensive teams, uh, which was, you know, Mississippi State down the stretch, you know, Auburn down the stretch, uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, the good teams, you know, how well did we do against that? 
you know, because you're not only just competing against the competition, you're also competing against yourself. And if we play our very best against the best opponents that we played, then I think that's a challenge for all of our players. You mentioned new offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian. He's got a history with Tua uh, going back to the, his time at USC. How important is that chemistry moving forward so the two can click on offense? Well, I think relationships are always really important with players. And, you know, Sark's a good guy and he has a good relationship with Tua. And uh, I think, you know, that's going to be very, very you know, beneficial to uh, Tua buying into doing the things the way Sark wants him to do it. And, you know, Tua made it, played great for us last year, made a ton of plays. Um, but, you know, if he ever made a bad play, it was because of decision-making process. So to clean that up, and there weren't a lot of them, but they hurt us down the stretch a few times. You know, that's one of the things that, I'm hopeful that Sark will do a great job with Tua on this year. If you had to pinpoint one thing that Tua needed to improve upon this offseason to be more successful in the next season, would it be that decision-making or would it be something else? No, but I think the decision-making comes from patience and taking what the defense gives you. Uh, and I think that um, you know when you lose your patience and you try to make plays and you think you've got to make a play or whatever, well, that's when you force balls and that's when bad things happen and I think that happened a few times at the end of the year, but I think with maturity, you know that that's those those are lessons learned. I and uh, I think you only get better because of that knowledge and experience that you gained, you know, from some of the things you 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 made mistakes on. Alabama head coach Nick Saban on the phone with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You know, a lot of people point at Alabama as saying that they have more talent than other teams across the country. But coach, the one thing Adam and I talk about is it's not just the talent, but your team always plays a smarter brand of football. Uh, Is that something that you coach the players and then also coach the coaches that work with you on trying to get instilled in your team a smarter brand of football so then your team always comes out on top? Well, I, I think, you know, knowledge is really, really important. And, um, you, you know, I mean, for our players to be knowledgeable about what they need to do certainly uh, can create a lot of confidence in what they're required to do and how they're supposed to do it, why it's important to do it that way. But, you know, the, the, the Bama factor has always been play with great discipline, be accountable to do your job at a high level on a consistent basis and put the team first. You know, those are the three things that we really emphasize to the player. Well, a player can't do any of those things very well if he doesn't understand exactly what the situation is in the game, what's required of him in that situation, as well as what is your responsibility to do your job on this particular play, uh, regardless of what the call is. So I think all those things sort of, you know, sort of um, tie together in terms of, having a team that plays smart and intelligent football. Who are some of your leaders on defense this year that you will look to late in games to implement that message to the guys? Well, I think that's the area that, of our team that, you know, we, we weren't nearly as good at last year. Uh, we gave up more points, more points for games, uh, more big plays, um, didn't play as well in the red zone. I mean, we really need to sort of improve defensively and we've lost so many defensive players over the last couple of years guys going out already for the draft and um and and that you know that that they uh, most of those guys that that was a good choice and a good decision for them to go out early i'm not complaining about that but it's been you know a constant 
we're young. We don't have a lot of experience. We got lots of new players. So uh, I think last year we had eight new starters on defense. This year we'll have five. Uh, so we got a little bit more experience. But Dylan Moses, Xavier McKinney, um, Raquan Davis. I mean, at least we've got some guys at each position: defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. Uh, that have been, you know, pretty good warriors for us, and I think that's going to help the leadership on that side of the ball. Nick Saban with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, last week here in Chicago, Coach Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern uh, was asked about college football attendance issues, and he he pointed out cell phones and young people. Coach, why do you think college football is having a, a tough time getting people to go to college football games? Well, I, I, I'm no expert on this, and um, you know, I think Pat made a good point. Um, but I, I, I think we have to play more quality games. You know, I, I've always been an advocate, and you know, sometimes I get criticized about our schedule and who we play. But people act like you can play whoever you want. I mean, the other team has to want to play you too, or you can't have a contract with them to play. So. Um, but I've always been an advocate of playing 12 Power 5 conference schools. Everybody plays 12. Um, and I've also been an advocate of playing 9 or 10 SEC games, play more conference games, uh, because of the difficulty of scheduling. Uh, but also, that enhances fan interest. I think when you play three or four games a year that fans aren't interested in, um, they don't come to games. They get in the habit of doing other things, whether it's watch games on TV or whatever it is. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that's good for college football, and I don't think it's good for the fans because the game day experience is, is a wonderful experience. I mean, um, I, I can remember when my dad used to take me to one West Virginia game when I was a kid growing up, and that was the highlight of the year. Uh, to go to the game, not to watch it on TV, but to go to the game. So, um, you know, and I, and I think we all have to do a great job of making the fan experience great, but the quality of teams that you play will certainly enhance that as much as anything. A lot of talk has also been made about the transfer portal. Your own Jalen Hurts transfer to Oklahoma. How do you feel about the transfer portal, and do you think there needs to be some change to it? Well, I think the transfer portal is, is fine. Um, I think, you know, the, the reason that we had a transfer portal was when players were going to leave one school and go to another, uh, it, it gave them exposure and everybody knew that they were going to leave. So it could create some opportunities for them to do that. Uh, I think the issue is, is you create free agency when you throw the transfer portal in with 65 um, waivers to let guys be immediately eligible. I think if you're a graduate transfer, you should be immediately eligible. I, that, those guys don't fit in that category. You know, they've done their job for us. We've done our job with them. They've been in our program. They sustained. They graduated from school. We did our job in helping them graduate. They did their job in getting a degree. So now if their circumstance is not ideal and they want to go someplace else where it may be better, I, I, I get that. that. That's good. But when we have all these underclassmen, uh, that we give 65 waivers to. And I'm not saying there's not some circumstance right, where it's not in the best interest of the player right, to, for personal reasons, maybe to go someplace else. I'm, I'm not saying that. But 65 waivers creates free agency. Right? And that's not good for fans either because it's not good for players either because they're not sort of fulfilling their commitment. 
And when you don't do what you're supposed to do, most of the time in the world, there's some consequence for it. Um, so I don't know what we're teaching when we do that, uh, but it's not good for the fans either because they relate to these players. Uh, and now the player is not there. Uh, so when you have too much movement in college football, I'm not sure that's good for the culture of the game for anyone. Alabama head coach Nick Saban on the phone with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here in Chicago, coach, last year, Eddie Jackson for the Chicago Bears was outstanding, and he's definitely one of the bright stars on this Bears defense. What do you remember about Eddie Jackson down in Tuscaloosa and what you saw from him, and did you think he was going to be a star on the next level? Well, I thought Eddie would be a really good player uh, at the next level. He's so instinctive, uh, and he plays so smart. Uh, and um, it's really important to him. He has a lot of passion for the game, so he prepares well for the game. He understands what the other team's trying to do and reacts, you know, but he's got great ball skills. That's why he's a big interception guy. Uh, He was a good punt returner for us, uh, even though he doesn't have great speed. Uh, He was a great punt returner because of his instincts uh, and, you know, runnability after he catches the ball. Uh, doesn't surprise me at all. And he's got good cover skills because he played corner for two years, was a little speed deficient to play corner, so we moved him to safety, and he was ideal and um, just had a great career, and I'm really proud of him. And if people in Chicago really know, right, like we see guys come out of high school and they come out of bad situations and bad personal and family situations and things like that, and they, they just – grow and develop. I mean, it's what college football is all about right? and helping guys, you know, develop careers off the field to, to mature as, as fine people. And, um, so that they have a better chance to be successful in life. You know, that's really what college football is all about. And Eddie is a great example of something, uh, a guy that has made me so proud, uh, that he came through our program and he's done so well. Coach, thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Coach. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good day, man. You too. Have, have a great day, Coach. Real time. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You're listening to my mans and them, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. In about 10 minutes, Adam, we are going to talk about the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, and BU. You know, it's it's cool. It's a great concept, right? You, be, you do be you, man. Be yourself until we don't like it. Listen, and you come that's, in. That's it, right? You that's come the in philosophy all the of the time. Chicago Bears. All you do, you come in, you hate on me. <laughs> You hate on me with what I'm wearing. You hate on me with what I'm eating. You hate I do? On me. Yeah, you do. You really? hate, well, not the eating part. Oh. Mostly what I'm wearing, the shows okay. I choose to go to, uh-huh. well, the sushi yeah. restaurants I choose to go to. So it is the eating also. Yeah. But then you're all about, y'all, be you, be you, be you, be you, be you, be you. Let me be me. You are doing you. Okay, but let me do it. But don't if hate. I don't but if I don't like it, then You're then a hater. You gotta be you gotta be you, but conform to what I want you to be. No, I'm not gonna I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be me twice oh. as hard. If you're but, if you don't like it, I'm gonna be me twice as hard. We'll talk about it in ten minutes right here on ESPN one thousand because I think Matt Nagy got tripped up today uh from some questions down in Bourbon A. So we'll address that coming up. Uh the question this hour to you at three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're talking Bears football and entering this season. How many teams do you think are better than the Bears? 
Give us your list. What do you think? On Twitter, Chris got to us. He said, I think the Bears will be third. Uh, They're behind the Patriots and maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. Philly and the Rams are after the Bears right there as a a pair of a grouping of five teams from Chris Myers on Twitter. Uh, Kevin says zero. uh, Get the blank out, haters. Well, okay. I mean, that's just inappropriate. Uh, Continuing on with the list, Brandon uh, chimes in with the Patriots, Eagles, the Chiefs, maybe the Saints, and then the Bears on the list. You know, Adam, and I think what we're seeing here as we talk to people online on the internet is that basically we have the same grouping of teams that are kind of right there towards the top. The Saints, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Patriots, maybe a Chargers, maybe one or two other teams, and then the Chicago Bears. To me, that says that this season obviously is all about what you do and the ability to get to a Super Bowl because they're in the conversation with all these great teams in the National Football League that can make a run to a Super Bowl this season. This is absolutely a playoff team. That's not a question. They are a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year. They were a kick away from maybe making it all the way to the Super Bowl. We don't know. But ultimately, anything other than winning a playoff game, I think, is going to be a major failure because... Unless something, unless it takes something crazy like 15 games to win the division. Like if the Packers go f- win 15 games or something, the Vikings come out and win 14 games or something, and you win 12 and still somehow don't win the division or a wild card, then that's a crazy year. But it's hard. I mean, they won 12 games. They've got the, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do that. They are so, talented, though, and they can absolutely. do it. Uh, Jeffrey James on Twitter says Kansas City won. New Orleans, number two, if they sign Thomas, they're going to sign Thomas. He won't hold out for Thomas. the season. Yeah. Uh, three, the Eagles. They're the team to beat until you prove me wrong. And then the Patriots. And then one other, David Rose on Twitter says New England, New Orleans, Kansas City. Uh, he says San Diego. He means L.A., the Chargers, and then the Bears. So it's basically the same grouping. Chargers, Chiefs, Saints, Patriots, Eagles, Man, people and then the do Bears. Not like the Colts. I think the Colts are right there. I think the, right I think the Colts are just as good as well. I, right I think they're there. in that grouping, that pairing with the teams that are right behind the Chicago Bears. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000. Coming up next, BU, or I mean, at least BU while you follow the rules for the Chicago Bears. We'll address it coming up next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.